Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to the A Beautiful Beginning Podcast. This is your host, Shakia, and I'm coming in today with a very good topic. Very good topic that I am very much so well aware of. Mommy guilt. What's it like being a, a mother that works, that's in school, that, you know, has a life? How is it that you, you know, can take a trip without your kids? How is it, how dare you go to the store without your kids? How dare you take, you know, a momcation or whatever, and you think that, you know, you're supposed to take care of your children 24-7. So we're going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about, you know, how I have to deal with mommy guilt and because I do deal with it, you still have to deal with it because, hey, it's people that try to push it on you. And number two, how moms, um, and this is specifically for single moms, how you can give yourself some me time and some time to really reflect and just kind of like take care of you, doing the best that you can for you. Um, because if you don't have anything to pour from, how can you water your little flowers? How can you help them grow? How can you nourish them? How can you protect them? If you are dry, if you are barely taking care of yourself, seriously, um, barely, you know, nourishing your own needs, taking care of your own needs. And I, I use that, that nourishment or that water as, as a reference to a flower, you know, in order for that flower to grow, in order for it to be healthy and grow, it has to what, be nourished with water, with with vitamins, and you know, it's different things you do to get your plants to grow. So, if I'm continuously out here allowing people to tell me that I'm not supposed to do those things, and I'm continuously holding dead weight, you know, like old old leaves, old dead leaves. Okay. If I'm continuing to hold dead weight and not, you know, get rid of the things that I can't do anything about, you know, not even focusing on that. If I continue to not strengthen my foundation, get a good root system, you know, um, if I'm not going to continue to pour into myself, okay, how can I be of any type nourishment to my young seeds, to my little ones? How can I take care of them if I'm not allowed to grow? So we're going to speak about that today because mommy guilt, a lot of times if it's projected on you, it is because, and a lot of times it's other women that do it, it is because they don't want to see you grow. They don't want to see you grow and do better in the role that you're in. So let's talk about it. Mommy guilt. What is mommy guilt? Can we define mommy guilt? I don't know if it's any one way to define it. Um, but I would have to say when I just kind of researched it, mom guilt or mommy guilt is the name given to the feelings of guilt women experience in relation to their kids. So it's feelings that most women experience in relation to their kids. Um, new mothers are particularly susceptible to mom guilt. And that is true because you're thinking, did I do this right? Am I doing enough? I don't know if this is correct. And then they're constantly worrying about making mistakes and trying to get everything right. Just like I said, 
And then mom guilt comes from an unrealistic, let's say that word one more time, unrealistic idea or ideal of a perfect mom. Mm. So let's talk about it. Are we being gentle with ourselves? Are we allowing others to come in and pour more on us and give more to us than we can afford to to manage? And then hear those same people tell us that you're not doing enough. You're not a good mother. Um, I don't understand how these people. Let me tell you how um, how people um, in the backwoods usually refer it. Like if they want to talk about you. They don't necessarily talk to you about how they feel. What they usually do is say, I don't see how these people. And it's one of those things where I'm always like, you know, if you got something to say, just say it to me. I'm right here. I'm right here. I mean, if this is how you feel, just say it to me. But it's one of those things where you have someone who is a mom who didn't necessarily have to go through the struggles that you go through or just not in the same place you are in life tell you where you are that is something that you're doing that they don't feel that you should be doing now there are some moms who honestly just are not the best they party way too much they're in the club way too much and on the road doing whatever they want to do and they're not taking time with their kids You understand what I'm saying? Like whatever extra time they have, they spend it with their boyfriends, their friends, their partying, doing whatever else, not really honing in on what their kids need, you know, Um, not disciplining their kids, not making sure their kids are academically sound, just not doing what they're supposed to do as a mom. Okay. Those moms, that's not mom guilt. That's just sorry. I'm sorry. That's just plain ass sorry. You know what I'm saying? Like you're just not doing what you're supposed to do. You know, there is no perfect person, but you can at least do what you need to do because children don't ask to be here. And when they're here, it's our responsibility as parents to make sure that we're doing our utmost to get them what they need. You know, their needs must be met. And when you don't meet the needs of your children, you're lacking as a parent. So when I consider mom guilt, I consider things where you a lot of times are talking to yourself and basically making yourself feel like you're not doing enough. If you're working a job and you have to work over and you have to ask for help for babysitting and stuff, a lot of times people can make you feel really bad for asking for help. Now, you know that old saying, it takes a village. Well, sometimes, depending on who your family is, who your friends or non-friends are, you may not have a good village. You may not have a good support system. I've heard a lot of women talk about this, that if I didn't have a good support system, I wouldn't be able to make it. That is 100% true. I remember when I first had my kids, I primarily had my mom as Pam and Peyton's all in all. And I remember someone saying to me, Shakia, you cannot utilize just your mom. You got to meet other people who are willing to help you with your kids because that's how you build your village. Your mom is not going to always be available. And, you know, you can't just depend on her for everything. You have to build a village of people who, you know, will support you and will love you and your children and will be there for you when you need them. And I thank God that I've learned that I need to build my village 
um, and build my support system as time goes, because that's what matters most. Don't waste your time with family members that are negative, that are not even going to want to help you. You know what I'm saying? Um, And I want to use an example. I remember when I first had the twins and I worked as a bedside nurse. Now, I've been a nurse um, at the time that I had my kids. I'd been a nurse a good 10 years. And I mean, I'd always worked three twelves. Hell, when I didn't have kids, I worked four or five, six, 12 hour shifts. And I knew that my mom was familiar with my schedule. At least I thought she was. But after I had my kids, it became very, very clear that she felt that a nurse working 12 hour shifts wasn't a good mom. And that led to a lot of guilt because I then felt guilty for being a nurse. Like I had no other issue being a nurse before, but all of a sudden my career wasn't the best for being a mom. Like, oh, well, no well-meaning parent would work like that. And that's, I remember her saying that to me and I said, but I only work three days. So three 12 hour shifts are full time. And I, I remember telling her I can't work part time. That's just two 12s and it's just not enough money. And then my benefits are going to cost more. So it's, it's more coming out than coming in. And that's going to hurt us tremendously, especially when I'm the, the primary, you know, caregiver of my kids, you know. Um, and sometimes dads will do and sometimes dads will not. Unfortunately, my kid's father just doesn't. He just didn't do and he just still doesn't, you know, do his utmost. And that's unfortunate. But the thing is, I can't do anything about what he doesn't do. I I totally took on the mindset of the serenity prayer with that. And with a lot of situations that if I can't do anything about it, if I do what I'm supposed to do and I'm doing my utmost to change the situation, then I don't need to harp on what somebody else isn't doing. That's not going to help me. I can't sit here and complain about what he doesn't do. I have to do what I have to do. So I remember during that time, I felt real bad because I was like, I don't know what else to do. I don't know what else to do. I'm a nurse. So... I mean, it's other opportunities, but are they going to be profitable where I can make money? And so I was just so very stressed out. I didn't know what to do. I felt guilty. Um, I felt like there's such a huge loss of income here if I don't work this schedule. But if I do, then I'm going to be ill, you know, ill regarded. Like you're not a mom. You're not you're not trying to take care of your kids. And I thought, well, I just can't, you know, I've been on my own now for 10 years and I don't need to have to eat out of these people's hands. Like, it's okay to have your parents help you when you need it, but I'm an adult. I can take care of myself. I just needed support. And it was very hard. I I just didn't know what to do. I'm going to be honest with you. At one point, I just wanted to jump out of my skin. I remember getting real anxious one day. And I just said, Lord, I can't take this anymore. I can't take it because I literally don't know what to do. I'm a nurse. That's how I work. I don't know what else I'm supposed to do. And so I remember calling somebody to ask them, you know, maybe I'm looking at this the wrong way. Maybe there's some other things that I can do, but this person can help me brainstorm. So I called two different people. Okay. And both work in healthcare. The first person went on a rant with me about how I should be going to the child support office every day trying to make sure I stay after their dad for child support. And I was like, child, who the hell got time for that? I got to work and take care of my kids. 
And who wants to sit and carry that strife all day, every day about what someone doesn't do? You know, he doesn't do, but when he does, I let the twins know, like, your dad sent you some money. You want to get something? You want to do something? You want to save a little bit? Put some in your piggy bank? You know, I let them know, like, no, your dad sent something for you. Because I don't want them to have a negative feeling about him, although I have one. I don't want them to have it. Um, But I also am realistic with the fact that he's not consistent with it, you know? He's not consistent. And they understand that he's not consistent because they know it's very rare that, you know, he steps up and does something to where they can get something and he pays for it, essentially. But I remember that person saying that to me and I was like, I'm sorry, but I just do not have the time and energy to be running to no child support office daily, child. Fussing with them people about no damn check. I was like, is it anything else I can do? (laughs) I mean, I call you to help me brainstorm. As far as my career, some other things I could do. Give me some pointers as a mom. But you're going to sit here and tell me I need to be at the child support office every day? I was like, child, scratch that off. I never call for nothing else. Um, The second person, (laughs) the second person literally said, like, I asked, you know, I was just wondering if maybe you could talk to my mom and kind of explain to her our schedule, explain to her, like, how we do, like, in a hospital setting with our schedules because, Her biggest thing was she thought we got off right at seven and nurses don't. You got to give us at least 30 minutes to an hour because between that last 30 minutes to an hour, somebody could code, somebody falls, somebody done shit up all over the place, somebody's thrown up, um, somebody codes. (laughs) I mean, it's always something. And you may have been behind because somebody did code like a little earlier, like say six, seven o'clock. And now you got to chart all of that stuff. And so you're going to be there for a while, making sure you get all that stuff charted. And so that's something that she doesn't understand. because She don't work as a nurse at the bedside. So she's never seen that that's that's a hefty part of what we have to do. And that's our job. And so um, documentation is the main part. It's, it's a huge part of what we do. Um, and I remember just being so frustrated because I was like, I can't just not chart stuff. If something happens to my patient, I can't just leave and not have stuff done because I got to get out by a certain time. And I noticed that my attitude at work was horrible. I was angry all the time. I was real snippy with coworkers. Everything they did or said made me mad. And I just knew it was time for me to get the hell away. Like, I just knew, like, when patient care became something that I didn't love anymore, I needed to step back. So I'd applied to some state health jobs, and nothing was working with that. And I said, thank God, because, hell, the state don't pay nothing compared to what I could get at the bedside or elsewhere. And so that didn't pan out for good reason. Um, But that second phone call was what kind of led me to know that, okay, I've got to build a stronger foundation within and with my God, with the God that I serve. And let me explain why. So I'd ask that person just to talk to my mom, you know, for me and on my behalf, because I wanted someone else that could explain to her how our schedule was and why, like, you know, like for some jobs, you may have like a set schedule or something, 
but you can change your schedule around and stuff like that. In a hospital setting, your front line, you don't you can't change your schedule like that. That's common sense, okay? Um people are there, they get sick 24/7 and they always need to have staff in place. So they would do our schedules like 4 to 6 weeks out. So like say for instance it's June right now, I'd have a July August schedule done. And that pissed her off that I had to know what days they needed me, you know, for July and part of August. Because for her, it was like, well, I don't know what I'm doing then. I don't even understand why you have to do that. But that's how it's always been. That's always been, that's nursing. I mean, that's what it is. And so I'd ask this person to just explain it to her so that she would get a better understanding of it. Because sometimes, again, if, if you've never worked in that area, that's something you ain't never had experience. You may not understand where I'm coming from with it. And so I called a person to ask if they could also, if they could do that. And also if they could honestly just kind of help me brainstorm some other areas of healthcare that I might be able to apply, some other things I could do. And they were very, very quiet on that. Didn't want to give any insight. Didn't want to give any pointers as a mother, as a healthcare worker. Um, But what she did say first is what kind of let me know. Like, okay. (laughs) Mm. So this is what you think of single moms. The first thing she said was, you can't get mad at nobody for not wanting to keep your kids and giggled. And I thought, I'm not getting mad. I just asked that you explain it to her because... It's like she's not understanding why I have to work. You know, why we have to do our schedule, why sometimes we have in-services at the hospital. And she just kind of giggled about it. She thought it was funny. Now, this person I know, she's not single. She's not a single mom, but she's a mom who worked healthcare, who I know I've heard her out of her mouth say her mom, her in-laws have helped her with her kids. Her aunts helped her with her kids. But when it came to me as a single mom on my own, she gave no pointers. And all she did was just try to put a nail in my coffin. So I said, okay. And to further nail the coffin shut, she then says, and you need to let them claim those your kids on their taxes since they help you so much. Now, here we go with mom guilt. When you're a single mom and somebody basically says, if anybody helps you, you have to bend down and praise them and all this, this and that. When I knew as a kid that I stayed with my grandma a lot. We lived with my grandma for the first years, first five years of, of my life. And my grandma took me to church. She just, I, I was with my grandma a good bit. So I was thinking to myself, if your parents help you and your in-laws help you with your your children and my grandma helped my mom with me, why is it that you feel that I am not worth someone helping? That I don't need any help. I don't need any assistance. And like I said, you have to be very careful as a single mom allowing certain people in with their opinions because that is more hateful than it is anything else. That was just somebody being hateful. The two of them didn't bring nothing to the damn conversation. They were just as hateful as ever. They were just as hateful as ever, as negative as can be. And that's what they thought, you know, was going to put a nail in my coffin. And it didn't stop me. It didn't stop me from praying and crying out to God and asking the source that you should ask above all these other fools out here. Go to him because he's the one that knows you best 
and the opportunities that you need and the, the help that you need will come to you. The doors will open for you. So I remember just being so frustrated and just so happened my little brother came through and he came to see me and the twins. And at the time we were still at my mom's house. And I remember, you know, telling him how hard it was and how I was trying to find something else to do um, in healthcare because I just couldn't maintain financially working part time. I was like, I just can't do it. It's just not enough money. And I just cannot maintain and I can't just live off these people. I'm 30 something years old, you know, for somebody to basically tell me that, oh, you need to just move back home with your mom and them so they can help you with those children. And I will always look at people and be like, do you know how old I am? (laughs) Do you know how old I am? I'm an old crusty ass woman. (laughs) Like, seriously, I'm not 20. I'm not 21. I'm not 18 or 19. I'm an old, crusty-ass, 32-year-old woman. It was just the craziest thing to me that none of these black women could offer an ounce of support. An ounce of support. And so I want to offer my ounces of support to you. Because I know what it's like to struggle, to go through that time where it seems like, well, dang, is it anybody I can talk to? Talk to God, girl. Talk to God. Pray. Pray, okay? Pray without ceasing. Um, take care of yourself. Like I've always talked about that on this podcast a lot, about taking that self-care time. That is needed. Don't let nobody tell you that you don't need to take care of yourself. I have really bad acne-prone skin. And right after I had my kids, my skin looked the worst. I couldn't afford to get my nails done, my hair done, nor get the products that I needed for my skin. And when you have acne-prone skin as an adult, Clearasil, Clean and Clear, and Neutrogena products do not work. You're going to have to get the stuff that's more expensive, seriously, or dermatology recommended. Like, you have to go to a dermatologist and be seen for either retinoid or something, but you cannot go to a uh, esthetician, but you cannot use that stuff out of the grocery store like you used to as a teenager. You know what I'm saying? Like, I have my twins on CeraVe right now because um, I can tell that they're probably in that pre-puberty stage where I think they're like, I have one in Tanner stage two and then one in one. And so I know with little bumps in their face and that the period is coming, so hormonal changes. And so I say, okay, let's start on something mild. So I have them both on CeraVe, Okay. Um, they both on CeraVe twice a day in the morning and afternoon washing their face. But a grown woman (laughs) with up and down hormonal changes, child, I'm 40. I'm not in menopausal lane yet, but I got some hormonal changes, okay? And I have stress. And yes, all of that plays a part. And so... I couldn't afford the stuff. I couldn't afford the good stuff. Because at the time, like I said, I was working part-time. My skin was jacked. <laughs> okay? It was jacked. And it's funny because the same people will tell you, well, I don't understand why you can't just go and use this and that. You're trying to spend, you know, all this money. And that's because people just associate certain things with you think you're better. No, no, no. Any well-meaning provider will tell you this. 
when you have acne prone skin like I do, you can't use certain products. Like my kids and I both have really sensitive skin. I'll have breakouts with my eczema. And that's something that some people probably don't know. Like my kids have the breakouts as well. We only can use like Dove sensitive skin. Seriously, we can only use that to wash with. And there's only one brand. It's a black owned um, brand that I use, LV, that has like shea butters and stuff like that. That's it, girl. That's it. Like, I can't even use Bath and Body Works and stuff like, oh, hell no. Mm -mm. I can't use none of that stuff like that. And I wear perfumes, but I'm very careful as to the placement of my perfumes because I will very much so break out, okay? Any new lotions and stuff like that, mm -mm, I start breaking out quick. Um, I used a different type body lotion and my arms were just as crusty and placky from eczema and everything. And it went on for about two weeks until I was like, what did I just switch to? And I said, oh, I forgot. And I had to switch that thing back to sensitive skin immediately. So imagine somebody trying to tell you that you think you're better. You think that you only can use that. You think you this, you think you that. That stuff costs more. I guess that's why y'all want to buy this. No, no, no. Sometimes us need what we need. <laughs> okay? You understand what I'm saying? Like, I knew that, like, the CeraVe would probably be one of the best to start my kids off with for their skin because it's gentle. It's very mild, not like some of the other stuff. But you'll have somebody try to argue you down about different things because people just don't have... One thing I, I can honestly say... Um, is that a lot of people just don't have a certain level of understanding. And that is what I was saying about mom guilt is that sometimes when you go to another person and you ask them for advice or you ask them for tips on stuff, they may not understand where you're coming from. Like both of those persons, the first person that I asked, I know she had been a single mom for quite a while and she was married and she had got married like in her late thirties. And so she was living a high life. You know what I'm saying? She was living a high life. Things were going good for her. You know, you got the money now. You got the husband. You got this and that. And nobody wants to talk about how it was in the time that I was struggling. You know what I'm saying? Like, she didn't want to talk about that. And all I didn't want to really talk about it. I just wanted some pointers for, like, or just some tips of things that I should be doing right now, you know, to try to get through on my own. And that wasn't the discussion. The discussion was you need to go to the child support office and be there every day to chase somebody to get a check. And I was like, child, bye. The second person is not a single mom, but they knew what it was like to be a mom that worked. Okay. They worked in healthcare too. And so they knew what it was like to have to have a village to take care of their kids. So it was kind of funny to me that she made those comments because I was like, well, hell, everybody to help you need to claim your kids on taxes, on their taxes. Like, I mean, when they pick them up from school, when they take them to different activities, can they claim that on their damn taxes? You know, like you call me to say that stupid shit. I mean, exactly. And it was just one of those things that I was like, mm -mm. and let me correct that. I called her. She just said it. So you pick up the phone and say something stupid like that. And you know, you're not even thinking. And again, that is because that person I feel didn't understand from my perspective that of course I'm going to need a village too. I'm definitely going to need a village, but I'm going to have to maneuver, do things a little bit different because I don't have a husband here. 
I don't have a second income. So financially, I've got to do things that's going to set us, you know, a little bit more ahead so that I can make sure that things run smoothly around here. And the thing about that is you only need to reach out to people to actually have your best interest at heart. That person, I don't think really likes me like that. And I don't think she really wanted to see me win in life. Um, She probably would have been just 100% ecstatic to see me lose my house, lose my mind, lose my kids. She probably would have been ecstatic to see all of that. She probably would have been happy to see it play out in her face. And the way, the reason that I say that is because when I asked her for help and when I was given my frustration, she sat and laughed at it. And it let me know who she was to me. It let me know that, you know, this definitely ain't a friend. This definitely ain't a friend. And this is somebody who who honestly wants to see you. You know how people will say, like I was talking about that Ditch Diggers um, episode where I said briefly with that, that there are people who like to watch you suffer. They like to sit back and, you know, they're not going to necessarily kick. Well, some of them will kick dirt on you, but they're not going to necessarily um, trip you up. You know, so it's noticeable, but they'll sit there and watch you struggle. And they think it's funny. They'll come there every day and watch you struggle. Um, in her in her case, she didn't have any problem kicking dirt down on you. You know what I'm saying? When she thought I was down, she didn't have any problem loading more sand on top. You know, she didn't have any problem doing that. And so that let me know who she was to me. And I realized at that very moment... Remember, I said, you better learn how to pray, girl. You better learn how to pray. Because being a single mom is not easy. And people make you feel guilty when you actually need help. But all of us need help. Whether you're a single mom, a mom that's married to have kids. I know married couples that have to ask their in-laws or their parents to help on, on both sides. Because they have busy work schedules. Or they have other things that they want to do. They want to go take a vacation. You know, they ask family members, hey, can you keep the kids for a couple of days? We're going to go out of town. There are a lot of times that people utilize other family members, whether it be a sister or brother, you know, a mom or dad, just to help give them a break. You know what I'm saying? So that they can have that time. And for somebody to basically try to make you feel like you don't deserve that, that's a, that's a personal issue. That's a personal issue. That's not an issue more so that you shouldn't have it. That is their personal issue. You understand what I'm saying? And what I mean by that is that they don't want you to be at a good place. Like the first person, I honestly don't feel like she had a good understanding of what I where I was coming from. And she was probably irritated at that point <laughs> because she was like, whatever. Um, but the second person, definitely, she came from a very negative space. And it, it was something where, like I said, um, she was one of those people that don't mind throwing dirt on you. When they see you down, like I said, if I had gone without, if I lost everything that I worked for, she would have been happy. Happy to sit back and talk about it. So when we talk about mom guilt, our inner dialogue that tells us that we shouldn't or should have done something, you know, different. Even though um, we know that's something that we can't always control. So, for instance, you know, I should have picked a better person to be my kid's father. I used to be really, really upset with the fact that I chose the person that I chose. 
Because I thought he was a good person. I thought he would stand up and do what he was supposed to do, but he didn't. And I thought about it and I said, you know, that's not something I can honestly do anything about. Um, he has to change for himself. But what can I do? I can do the very best that I can do as a mom. The things that are within my means to do, I'll do it. The things that I cannot do, I can. Um, feeling guilty for staying home even though you could use income. Okay. So, like, say for instance, you are sick and you are just dead tired, you're sick, you're not feeling good, and you have to call out that day. You call out that day, and you very rarely call out. You work every pretty much every day, but you call out because you're very sick. You go to the doctor, you find out you have the flu or whatever. So your day is excused, but you feel guilty because you're sick. You feel guilty because you've got to call, say, your mom or your sister and say, hey, can you help me out with the kids? I'm not feeling good. Um, depending on the persons that you talk to, like your family members, you can have some family members that get upset with you because you're sick. You need to take better care of yourself. Well, shit happens. I mean, (laughs) I'm just, you know, it happens. You have illnesses. They, they occur. How about finding ways to be of support to that person? And so that's where I said building a good support system is one where you got to find people who are truly willing to pour into you and people who are willing to be there and understand where you're coming from. Like, if you're sick, you're sick. You can't do shit about having a flu. Like, I have irritable bowel syndrome. A lot of mine comes from what I eat, and it can be kind of tricky because, like, sometimes I'll be thinking I'm good, and then sometimes it's like, "Mm, no, you're not. And I'll figure out, well, I can't eat that either. Like, I have an intolerance to that, too. And it's just kind of swings back and forth. But I also know that that IBS is, is directly tied to anxiety and stress. And if I'm stressed out with school, I'm stressed out with work, I'm trying to figure out what to do around the house, you know, and get stuff together, I may not say that I'm stressed out and I may not show it all the time, but my body knows that I am and it'll slow me down. And it just takes another person understanding, you know what, Shakia, take you some time. Go go ahead and I'll take care of what needs to be taken care of for them. You go ahead and do this and that. You know, I remember when I first started getting, you know, um, a second support system and my neighbor. And I remember her noticing that I was like noticeably stressed. And she was like, no, go home and chill out, Shakia. She said, you don't have nothing to do on Friday. Don't do nothing on Friday. Just go chill out. I remember this lady that really honestly didn't know me too much from a can of paint. My anxiety was so high and I was talking about all the stuff I had to do with my kids. And she said, just take a deep breath. Just take a deep breath. And it's because sometimes the persons that you think would recognize your level of anxiety and your level of stress, they don't. A lot of times they don't. Um, And sometimes people just don't because they don't care. And sometimes they don't because they just honestly don't understand. They don't understand that you really do need some time. You really do need some time and you do need some support. So if you have to take that time because it's just a lot going on, then take it. Um, If you have to work over, 
You have a schedule change at your job where they're requiring you to work over two days out of the out of the week and you're going to they're going to compensate you for it. And so you say, "Okay, well, if I can work those two days and make extra money, what can I do to offset this? You can try after school programs. You can try family members if they're available to help um, a friend or, you know, someone that can help you. And if you have a good relationship with your child's father, then I think it's a good idea to ask that person to kind of step up and say, hey, can you pick them up on these days so I can work over? Um, And the way I kind of would talk about this with the other person, if y'all got a good relationship, is, hey, I'm trying to, you know, get extra income, you know, for the next couple of months. um, So I don't have to call you as much, you know. So that we don't have to just kind of come to you all the time for anything extra. Do you mind picking, you know, our son up or our daughter up on these days that kind of help me out? It'll offset that so that I can make that extra money. I don't have to put them in childcare, which I have to pay for. And at least I know they're with someone I trust. And if that person agrees, okay, that's fine. And they do it. That's a great thing. If you have a parent that does it, that's a that's a great thing. You know what I'm saying? Or a sister or a brother or sibling that decides to do it. That's a great thing. Even if you have a friend that you trust around your child and they say, okay, I'll help you do that because I know you're working over, you know, then do that. Um, but what I what I the reason I say that is sometimes people just don't understand what you're doing. And um, unfortunately, it's almost as if the mindset of some haven't come up to where we are in the 21st century with working mothers. Um, it's a lot of women in power, you know, power positions. It's a lot of women that are homeowners, that are business owners, so um, that are directors and managers in their jobs. And unfortunately, their mom, aunties, uncles, dads, they may not understand it. Because they're still thinking about the 20th century or 19th century or 18th century woman. They're not really familiar with the 21st century woman. And so they don't feel that you should be doing that. Yet they're not offering support. (laughs) That's the funny part. The funny part about it is they'll tell you what you're not supposed to be doing based on their thoughts. But they're not supporting you based on what they think because if I were an 18th or 17th, 18th or 19th century woman or even 20th century woman, someone will be pretty much taking care of me. And the way I see it is if you're not paying my mortgage, you're not paying utilities, you're not going to take on my car note, insurances, taxes, if you're not going to give me a stipend so I can shop and live the way that I'm accustomed to, then I'm going to need you to hush. I'm going to need you to hush. And I'm going to need you to just to just support, to just understand that this is something I have to do because I have to be able to take care of my kids. And the thing about that is, ladies, is that you have to be able to set yourself up financially because you want to be able to be there for your children later on. Like there are different things that you want to be able to do for your kids. Um, When my rotation, I was talking to this one lady. She has what three, four kids. And three of the girls she bought in for a wild child, a wild, wild, not wild, well child check, get my words right, for their well child checks. And um, she was saying how 
in that area is not much for them to do. And I had another mom come in there and say that. And so you have to kind of create opportunities for your kids. So there's no like camps for the summer in that area. And she said the camps that they do offer are so expensive in different places that she can't afford it for her kids. So the school systems don't offer any summer programs. Um, Like the county doesn't offer any recreation stuff that they can do. So it's like these kids are just sitting stagnant. I remember growing up in the backwoods and that can be very true. You know that there's really not a whole lot that they offer. And so these kids are sitting around stagnant. They're gaining weight. They're eating. They're not, you know, doing a whole lot. And so as a mom, you know, you may be taxed with the responsibility of trying to you know, find things for your kids to do. Like for me this summer, the twins are doing a camp. And so I'm paying for the camp and then they have cheer camp and I have to pay for cheer camp. And then they have swimming lessons. I have to pay for swimming lessons. And then on top of that, you know, I know that for the fall they want to do, well, I know one particularly wants to do cheer and the other I'm getting her in it because she wants to do track, but they don't offer track at their age just yet. Um, I'm getting her in cheer just so they can stay active. And I looked at the registration for cheer and it's almost $250 per child. That's $500 off the bat for the two. Camp, you know, I had to pay for that. I had to pay for swimming, pay for sw- um, for cheer stuff. And then on top of all of that, as parents, remember what do we have coming around in August? School. So we got back to school clothes, back to school shoes, supplies, because these kids grow like weeds. What they were wearing in the spring last year or, or the fall last year, they can barely wear that stuff now. And so now you got a whole, you know, and depending on when they go through their growth spurt, honey, okay, you got to buy more shoes, more clothes, more this and that. And so it's a whole new thing, you know? And so now I'm tasked with tasked with um, trying to make sure I have money for all of that. And so you have to work, you have to maintain, and you don't need to feel guilty for that because you're working to take care of your kids. You know, um, like I told those ladies, you know, if you got to buy some like stuff from like Ollie's or different little stores, like educational stuff, get like water guns and balloons and water balloons and do stuff at the house and take a trip to the library, you know, take a trip to the aquarium, like different things, all that stuff costs. And as parents, we have to pay the cost, okay? But it's something that can help enrich your child's life, you know? And I know it's very cumbersome, especially if you have multiple kids like I do um, with my two, that you have to pay for that. But it's very much so worth it so that your child can be a lot more well-rounded than just sitting stagnant a lot, you know? So that's a lot. It's a lot. It's a huge responsibility. And it can be a lot of guilt when you can't afford to do it. It can be a lot of guilt when you have to ask someone to help you do it too. But guess what? No one said that you have to go through this life alone, okay? When you have to ask for help, ask for it. If you have to take out a loan or something um, to help offset the cost of something and you know you can afford to pay it back, I would say do it. I would um, because I feel like the experience itself is worth it for your child just so they can get through that camp and get through that period of time. I know that there are plenty of moms who have had to work two and three jobs and have had to stay up late studying 
and taking care of stuff, cleaning up the house and everything else. And they're exhausted. I feel like now the 21st century mom is like, look, let's find a way to do this where I'm not beating myself down. You know, um, where I'm not dying early of heart disease or diabetes or stroke or uh, cancer. You know, I'm able to take care of myself. Okay. And so instead of smoking, because I'm so anxious and I can't deal with my feelings, so I always have to have a cigarette, then I'm going to read more. I'm going to work out more. I'm going to spend more time with my kids doing activities that, you know, will enrich their lives. Instead of drinking and partying all the time and spending money for that, I'm going to save that money. And every so often when I want to have a mom day, I'm going to take myself and get my nails done and I'm going to go to the spa. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to do those things that actually better my life. You know, put me in a good mind space, in a positive space. So mom guilt can come in so many different ways that you are always going to be attacked about something that you do say, whatever. But you have to, again, like I said, take the serenity prayer approach to it. That's number one. And number two, and when I say that, let me explain. The serenity prayer approach is you do what you can do. What you can't do and you have no control over, child, don't even sweat that. Because you can't do nothing with somebody that don't want to do. Like, you're not you're not able to change the way somebody else thinks. Like, that's not your responsibility. You know, that's why when that person said... You need to be at the child support office every day. I was like, child, I got time for that. I can't change the way their dad thinks. I can't change, you know, his his motives, his his mindset. That's him, you know? The only thing that I can do is be a better person and do what I need to do for me and my kids because I know that's something I can do. But trying to manipulate someone else to do something, that's just, that's not going to work. And it will cause resentment. And the reason I say that is after that time, their dad just did not want to pay. Um, Even when he was ordered to pay child support, he wouldn't. I remember it was almost as if a little voice, like somebody came and sat right next to me in my room and was like, look, are you not a registered nurse? Do you not have the ability to go and make extra money? Don't worry about this. I used to keep a paper above my desk in my room of every month what he paid and what he lacked. And I just took that paper down and threw that shit in the trash. And I said, you know what? You're right. I can go and make the extra money. I can go and do what I need to do and take care of my kids. And when I took back my power and stopped trying to control a narrative for somebody else, when I did that, I was able to bring an extra into the house. And let me tell you something. This is my testimony, okay? When you begin to walk by faith and you just step out there and do what it is God has asked you to do, he opens up so many other doors. Because during that time, I had gotten raises. I would got bonuses at work. I I'd had a new opportunity as well to work on this project where I was paid for that. It's like I had money coming out the yin-yang, and guess what? Guess what? He all of a sudden started paying his child support consistently. That's God. You cannot beat yourself over the head about stuff you can't do nothing with. 
You can't change the way somebody thinks. Just let God handle them. He'll go and touch them with a finger of love. I mean, seriously, you can't do anything about that. But what you can do is control how you move and the things that you do to make things better for you. So again, when it comes to mom guilt, take the serenity prayer. Um, take the serenity prayer, um, you know, advice. Take that route. Second, pray. Continue. And this should have been number one, but continue to pray. Continue to pray. Continue to ask God to come into your life, to give you a discerning spirit, to, you know, give you peace, give you clarity, give you joy. Um, ask God for the things that you need. You have not because you ask not. Ask God. Okay? Third, be mindful of who you talk to. Okay? Be much, be very much so mindful. Because a lot of times people don't understand what you're going through specifically. And they're not always going to give you advice that you can seriously use. Um, And sometimes, like I said, some people just want to put a nail in your coffin. The second person, child, she was, like I said, ready for me to just roll over and die. And I just didn't. I didn't because what she did for me that day. If you remember in the book of Psalms where it says your, your enemies will become your footstool. If she did not understand what she did that day, if she knew she probably wouldn't have done it, all she did was, for one, show me who she was to me. That's number one. And number two, she allowed me to see that, you know what? This is not for me. I am not going to stay in this place. I am going to pray about this. I'm going to go to God about this because he's the one. He's the one that can help offset that whole, you know, this whole thing. Like, I don't need her advice. Let me go to God with this. Let me go to God with this because I know for a fact that he's not here to hurt me nor harm me. And he wants to see me well. And I say that because if you have people that are good people in your life, and there are people who are, are are wet, like very, very much so. When I say wet, like people who are very, very much so filled with the Spirit, like the Holy Spirit. They have a good spirit about them. They're sweet people who don't mind helping you. And they'll do it just because. Those type people are the best type people. Because they will look out for you just because. I've had people that I have not met to this day. That I met through my nursing program. Because they're like, you know, we're online. We met through email. Okay? We met through email, child. And these people have helped me to this day. These are women who tell me to this day they are so proud of me for sticking in there. Who when I literally wanted to quit school and wanted to give up, they said, no, you will not. You got to take care of those babies. You're doing this for them. And you're going to stay in here and do it. You're going to finish it out. When I had people that I know that wouldn't do that for me. So number three, be careful who you share stuff with and who you talk to because not everybody is really on your side. They're not out there to help you, okay? Just be very cognizant of that. And honestly, the only way you're going to know is to to pray and to ask God to show you, you know, because he'll lead you and he'll guide you. The fourth thing, I always say this, don't be afraid to take time for yourself. If you're in a place financially where you can afford to take a mom weekend 
and you can afford to keep yourself up, like get your nails done here and there, take care of your hair, take care of your skin, do what you got to do for yourself, do it. And don't feel bad doing it. Okay? Do not feel bad doing that. When you make your kids a priority and their needs are met, you can take care of you too. There is nothing wrong with you taking care of you. The fifth thing is continue to renew your faith. Continue to renew your faith. Continue to stick closer to God. And that's always through prayer. Um, But continue to renew your faith. Continue to deepen that relationship with God. And don't let anyone come between you and him. Do not. Don't let anyone come between. You know, having that relationship with him is the best thing ever. You you will learn so much more about who you are um, as opposed to letting other people tell you who they think you are. Develop that relationship and deepen that relationship with him. That's my five things, my five little tips that I can give as far as mom guilt. I may come back with another um, episode about it, just talking a little bit more. But I can honestly tell you from experience, it is something that plagues a lot of women because a lot of times, like I said, depends on who you're talking to. You're talking to your grandmama, your granddaddy, your mama, your dad, your aunties and uncles from you know, with their 17th, 18th, 19th, and 20th century way of thinking, they may not understand a working woman. They may not understand a high-earning working woman. Like, there's a lot of you who have grandmothers and mothers and aunties who probably never made over a good 50000 And Lord forbid some of y'all make over 100000 And these people looking at you like, what? You know, like, (laughs) they're not going to understand that. Because in their mind, a black woman is not a high earner. You know, in their mind, if you got the house, the car, you either stole it, you laid up with somebody for it. You know what I'm saying? They don't understand that a lot of black women are just high earners. You know, it was nothing for me. At the time, I was a traveler and working in management to make 80000 And that's why it was kind of funny to me. Like, really? There are a lot of high earners. And, you know, that's a lot of money here in the South. In the South, the backwoods, honey, a good 60000 or more is good here. Because the average income in a lot of these areas is like thirty to like 40000 So if you're making over 60000 here, you live good. And so that's really, really crazy that, you know, anybody would just kind of always think that you're sleeping with somebody stealing this or that. It's crazy to me, but it's because I have a 21st century, you know, way of thinking and I move different from where they move. But if you're talking to an old lady who always lived off her husband check, she never made a good 30,000 her whole life on her own. She don't even know what it's like to have to work, you know, like that and make her own money, then yeah, yeah, they gonna tell you to go to the child support office. They gonna tell you to move back home with your mom and daddy till a man come and scoop you up and take care of you. That's what they're gonna tell you because they don't they don't know that there are women that can do it. And um that we can do it. We just need a little support. You know, you can pick them up for me. You can keep them a little bit so I can get some stuff done. Um, But that mindset of that woman, they just don't, they don't get it. And that's why I said for some, they're just not going to understand where you're coming from. They're just not going to understand, especially older generation. 
they're not gonna get it because they're especially a generation like in the 60s 70s i would say 70s 70s 80s because they're not too far from the field they're a generation of people who still worked in the field so that generational woman, especially if they don't even have a base of college education, not saying that you're better than them. I'm just telling you, trying to explain something to somebody who's never had to do it and they don't know, you know what I'm saying? That there are a lot of black girls like you out there that can make 60 or more a year and live good. They're not going to understand where you're coming from. To them, you know, like I just said, in management and even as a traveler, I made 80000 and that was a low end for a traveler because most travelers make over a hundred thousand. You know what I'm saying? I just took the assignments that were closer and I said, 80,000 good for me. You know, ain't that, ain't that much to live here. And so, you know what I'm saying? It was just one of those things where I thought to myself like, wow, it's amazing when people say stuff and they think that they're cutting you down, but really it reveals who they are and reveals what they know and their lack of knowledge. And so, needless to say, I pray that all of y'all are doing well. I pray that this finds you in a good place. And I hope that you've learned something from this. And for the moms who are out there continuously trying to build yourself and get to a good place in your life, I, I pray that you do. I pray that you do, and I pray that you get the help that you need, that you, you know, um, get involved in different um organizations or groups of women that are going to pour into you and not strip you apart you know what i'm saying and as always i pray that each and every one of you continue to shine bright have a great day